and, and it's kind of hard to relate, but, but uh, Jesus is just kind of unfolding for us in a very simple, uh, really this is a parable about, um, not a parable, but a, a, a symbolism here about how our relationship with him works. And he's going to kind of show us some things. And one of the things that's really hard to know in, in Christianity too is that how is this supposed to happen? How am I supposed to grow? A- am I supposed to be doing all the work? Is it Jesus doing all the work in me? I've heard both you know, that you've really got to buckle down or, or and really just got to work at it. And I've heard that, no, you just got to rest in it and God's going to do it all. How does all this work? Well, all of this, Jesus just unfolds so beautifully in this passage in John chapter 15 and what's part of uh, John called the Upper Room Discourse where there he enjoyed the uh, Last Supper with his disciples. And uh, anyway, in John chapter 15, we're going to go through this about the first 12, chapter, 12 verses of John chapter 15. And, and just listen to what Jesus says about how this relationship between you and him is supposed to be. We're going to read, um, let's see, John chapter 15. We're just going to read the first four verses and then break and then the next four or so. Would you read with me? Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. All right, so this is a very simple application, right? Really simple symbol, symbolism. Jesus is the vine and the father is the gardener. He cuts off, who's he? That's right, you can talk back. Who's he? God the Father, yes. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So Jesus is the, the Father is the, and we are the branches. Okay. Very simple, isn't it? And very beautiful language. Jesus is saying, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And he says basically the very simple part of this parable, you have to stay connected with me. This, this is the real point of this whole symbolism, right? You have to stay connected with me or you can't bear fruit. And he'll say in verse 5, you can't do anything. But anyway, he, he says, you have to stay connected with me. And let me just take that just a step further. A, vanch, a branch that's connected to divine, to a, to divine, that was Kind of a funny slip up there. Wasn't it? A, a branch that's connected to the vine is getting what from the vine? It's getting all of its nourishment. It's getting all of its sustenance through the vine. And if you cut it off, what happens? The branch dies. Why? Because it's not getting its nourishment anymore. Okay, at the same time, he's going to carry this a little further and he's going to talk about fruit. Now, he's talked about the connection. And he says, you can't reproduce fruit, you can't grow in me unless you're connected to me. And then he says, and without me, you can't bear fruit. We're going to read about it in verse 5. And he talks about the fruit. Fruit's important in the Bible. Fruit's talked about a lot. Let me give you just a little bit of Old Testament symbolism. The Old Testament, the fruit was, in particular grapes, was used in some of the prophets and in, in, in uh, uh, Ezekiel, in uh, Isaiah, in the Psalms, um, to talk about God's work that he had for the Israelites to do. And those were referred to as the grapes or the, the fruit of their labor. They were supposed to be representing God and doing His works, revealing Him to all the rest of the world. That was the goal of, 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 of Israel. And matter of fact, they're referred to as the vine in the Old Testament a couple of different times. Jesus says, though, I am the true vine. You know why? Because the Israelites, like we never could, they could never do it. They could never pull it off. They could never be all that God wanted them to be. They could never full, more. They could never. They could not fully disclose and reveal who God was. They couldn't pull it off. Which is why Jesus says, "I am the true vine." Right? I am the true vine. And, and, but this idea of fruit is this idea is that uh, is that God has something for us and He nourishes us, and then 
the product, the, the fruit is produced where the fruit comes out on the branches. And I don't want to carry this too far. It's never meant by some of the symbolism. But, but in this case, the fruit is produced in the branches. Let me just hear real quickly while we're here. The connection is important. The connection is essential. Without being connected to the vine, there is no fruit. But the fruit is produced, how? By continual nourishment, continual feeding from the vine. And over time, fruit is differentiated from gifts in the, in the New Testament especially. There's some things that are gifts that you just get. It's just yours one day. You come to Jesus Christ, you get the Holy Spirit. He is a gift. You get salvation. You gain redemption. You, get, uh, you, you are made, you're declared righteous at that moment before God. Fruit is not a gift. <laughs> fruit takes time. Fruit is a process. Fruit takes work. It takes continual nourishment and a connection to the Father, but it's actually produced in your life, right? This fruit that he's talking about is a product of your life connected with the life of Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay. All right, so let's continue here. Um, uh, let's see, just a couple of points to hit. Unfruitful branches are cut off. It's not real clear maybe what this means. I, I know I have my opinion. I'm sure several of you have your opinion. It's very interesting that he says fruit without branches or branches without fruit are cut off, um, but they're said to be in me. He says any branch in me um, is cut off and thrown to the fire. Something's wrong, though, with these branches, I think we could all say. There's something wrong here with them. They're not producing fruit. Apart from producing fruit, there is no evidence of that branch being connected. And so it is cut off and thrown into the fire. I'll let you uh, figure that out. All the but here's the other part of the deal. All the branches need cutting. All the branches need fruit. He says even the fruitful ones are pruned, right? But they all need pruning. Now, I know about you. I love pruning. I love to be pruned of the Lord. I know I love it when he points out a sin to me and says, wow, you're still dealing with this? And I, yes, Lord, I am. Um, I, I hate this, but every branch needs cutting. Every branch needs pruning. But listen to the, what's the motivation in, in the end of verse 2? So that what? Yeah, it will be even more fruitful. Yes, even more better and more fruitful. I love to say that too. All right, yes, that, very true. Every, even more fruitful. The goal is not for punishment. The goal is so that you may have a more productive life so the Lord will take you through times of pruning. True? You gone through times of pruning? Yes. All right. Maybe right now. Okay. All right. Anyway, and the, the, the goal there of times of pruning is so that we may be for, fruitful. Uh, skip down to verse 4. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in me, the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Okay. So here's how this relationship's work is through connection. And this word remaining or abiding, that word means to like live with. It means to abide with. It would mean like uh, uh, you know, uh, gentlemen, maybe your mother-in-law needs to come and abide with you for some time in your house. It means to, you know, she needs to move in for a little while. It means to, to abide with you, um, and, and she needs to stay there with you. That's this term, and I used a bad connotation there, didn't I? But, but this term, abiding, means to live with. And so the very first point of, of this is that remaining in Jesus means to, is to be constantly living with Him. Um, that means in your home that you live with Jesus. When you go to your job, you live with Jesus. When you go to your class, you live with Jesus. In regards to your finances, you live with Jesus. In regards to raising your children, you live with Jesus there. In relation to your, to your, your spouse and your marriage, you live with Jesus there. He lives with you in all of those places, in every aspect of your life, and there is no aspect 
from which you keep him, he remains and abides with you and you in him. That is abiding. It is not exclusionary. It is inclusionary. It includes him in every aspect and every detail of your life. And you'll find like what I've found where I've kept Jesus out of certain parts of my life, it's because of brokenness and sin in me. Wow, I kind of felt like a real Baptist preacher there for just a moment. Forgive me. But you with me? When I've kept him out of places, there's a reason because I've excluded him from a part that I'm trying to hold on to sin and I don't want him there. If you'll abide in him, though, there, though, there will be what? Fruit. There will be growth. There will be maturity for you there. There will be, be success over sin. There will be growth and maturity toward holiness. You can grow there, but not while you're excluding him. All right. Okay, and, and somehow in this relationship with Jesus Christ, somehow there's in this abiding relationship in Him living with us and him with, us with Him, we receive what we need to grow and to bear fruit. Somehow in this kind of, it's almost mystical, isn't it? Somehow in our abiding with Christ, we get what we need to mature and to grow as believers. And it, but it comes from the relationship. Let me just say it another way. It can't happen outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no growing for you. There is no success over sin. There is no maturity in your relationship. There is no growth in your prayer life. There is no better understanding of the Scriptures in a, in a, in a deep heart sense. There is none of that apart from Jesus Christ. It is, it is in His presence and in practice with Him. Um, I would encourage you just real quickly... Practice the presence of God, and, and, and let me just encourage you, engage your imagination a little bit. You know, when I walk into work in the mornings, I always, always, because I need it, because I'm so broken, but in, on my way into work in the mornings, when I walk from the parking lot of the, of the building, I said, Lord, help me to honor you with my life today. And it, it, it sets my mind right. Now, sometimes it doesn't last long, I'll be honest, because, you know, there's, I'm broken. Uh, but but when, I, when I think that way, when I, when I set the, the tone that way, I'm reminded of I'm not just here to do a job. I'm not just here to earn a paycheck. I'm here that I might honor my Father, that He might be honored by my life, but He might be honored by my words, but He might be honored by the way that I treat people, that He might be honored the way that I serve my, my employer. In all of those ways, I want to honor Him. And I, I have to think that way because if I don't, and listen, and I shouldn't say if, when I don't, I'm about anything but that. You, you, are you with me? I, I'm about anything. That. I'm, about, I'm about my own success. I'm about my own busyness. I'm about my own routine, my own lifestyle, whatever it is. But to practice the presence of God, to, to think throughout the day, He's with me. You, you promised, Lord, that you would be with me always. And so, Lord, I believe you are with me, present here with me right now today. Just practice the presence of God throughout your day when you get to work, when you go to work, there's some days that, that I'm feeling very frustrated and there's some folks at my work that really frustrate me. There's sometimes I have to close my door, get on my knees and kneel on a chair. I'm sorry, in front of a chair. Kneeling on a chair could be dangerous. Kneel in front of a chair and just say, Lord, help me. I, I feel this frustration. I feel this anger building in me. I need your presence. I need you here with me. I need you because in my sinful nature, I, you know, I'd lash out in anger. I'd lash out in angry words and Yes, that happens to your pastor even sometimes. How about that? All right. We need the Lord's presence. Amen? Practice it. Practice it. Okay, the next thing, uh, verses 5 through 8, would you read with me? I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into a fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and listen, he adds something this time. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The next part of this is that remaining as Jesus, the first thing we talked about, remaining as Jesus is to be constantly living with him. The next thing, though, remaining in Jesus is to be constantly living in his word, to be constantly living in his word. There have uh, been several surveys by Barna and some other groups that, that, that asked people to, to try to find out how many minutes a day are you spending in personal devotion time with the Lord? Does anyone want to hazard a guess about what the, what the average is out of those surveys? Average Christian in America, how much time do you spend in devotion time with the Lord? Anybody want to guess? Two minutes, good guess. Fifteen minutes, good guess. Forty-five minutes, good guess. All right. Um, the average is, it tends to be five or less. Average seminary student, anybody want to guess? Seven? The average seminary student, how much does the average seminary student spend? Anybody want to guess? Anybody else? Seven, I heard. Sorry? Fifteen? Yeah, the answer is fifteen. Average seminary student is about fifteen minutes a day. Listen, what we're talking about is cultivating a relationship with your heavenly Father and the Savior who died for you. None of that's sufficient. Let me ask you, would you get married today to someone and say, man, you know, let's, and they came to you and said, you know, let's spend, dadgum, let's, let's do five minutes together every day. It's just, we're going to have the greatest relationship. You got five minutes, I got five minutes. This is going to be the greatest relationship in the history of mankind. They're going to write a love story. There's going to be a movie, there'll be books, it's going to be on the New York Times bestseller list. You know, a love story, five minutes a day. You know, can't, can't you see it? Listen, 15 minutes, five minutes, it's not enough to cultivate a relationship. John, Jesus in John chapter 15 just told us, you can do nothing apart from abiding with me. He's talking about the relationship. Five minutes is not enough time. And it's not about the time. It's about the relationship. But there can be no relationship. Let me tell you this. You limit the relationship when you limit the time. True. You know this in your marriage. You know this with your children. You know this with your parents. You know this with your friends. You don't spend time together. The relationship doesn't grow. The same is true uh, with Jesus Christ. Five minutes is not enough. It's just not. Let me, uh, I want to challenge you. Let, let me tell you this about sanctification. Um, in, in this process that we're talking about, the, the branch is receiving nourishment, everything that it needs from the vine, but the fruit is produced on the branch, right? Okay, so here's sanctification. You are always needing to receive from God, always, every day. It's the reason that manna was given to the Israelites every day to show that they needed God's word, his bread, every single day day. They needed it daily. We need it daily. And listen, if all you're getting of the Word is what you're getting on Sunday mornings, you are starving to death. You just don't know it. All right? Okay. So, in this process of sanctification, though, in this process of anything that involves our work is we have a part to, the, right? Sanctification takes everything we have. 
Salvation is free, but, uh, but, but sanctification takes everything we are, and it's constantly being receiving from God. It's constantly being in His presence, constantly abiding in Him, but it also takes some effort on our part or we cannot grow. Amen? This is part of it where God and I and our lives are now connected together, and we are cooperating together that I might have might grow in the image of Jesus Christ, that I might produce fruit and work, walk in the work that he's, that he's already prepared for me, and it can't happen if I'm not spending time in the relationship. This is, part, this is your part right here. You have to make the time. You have to carve out 30 minutes a day, maybe more. If you're sinful like my, I am, you need a lot more than that, right? All right. All right. But challenge yourself. Put some time into it. It's, not, it's about a relationship, and that's what you're trying to build is a relationship. Listen, I know Christianity has been taught for centuries that it's all these kinds of people trying to live good lives. That's just a flat-out lie. Christianity is about the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. It is friendship with God through Jesus Christ and that relationship that you and I have through him, and that is our only hope. Amen? It's the only hope we have for growth. It's the only hope we have for change. only hope we have for conquering sin in our lives. Okay, um, and, and, and none of us is perfect. None of us gets it. No one can fully live the life that God intended for us to do. That's why we need this time. That's why we need this change, this transformation that can only take place in that time of devotion as we sit and we meditate. I gave you some verses there that have to do about meditating on God and His Word. Um, I just gave you that to take home just so you could think about it. But listen, the Bible tells us over and again, meditate on His Word. I know meditation kind of gets a bad rap because of some kind of Eastern religion kind of a stuff. But listen, it's been in the Bible longer. Okay, that may not be, may, may not be true. I don't really know. But anyway, it's been, it's been in the Bible that we're to meditate. It all matters what you're meditating on. All right, make time for it. Carve 30 minutes out every day. Take the time. And when you start, let me just give you some real practical advice. When you start your time of devotion, just sit and pray and say, Lord, come open my heart. Open my mind. Show me. Let this be a fruitful time. And then whatever you have to do, you know, if there's a devotion that kind of gets your heart stirred up, if there's a song, if, you, if there's some music that really stirs your heart up, whatever it is, whatever pre- kind of prepares you, whatever kind of quiets your heart and your mind, and, and I know you have 100,000 things to do today, and I know you will tomorrow, even worse because it's Monday, but whatever quiets your heart, whatever stills your mind, whatever that is, do that, and then open the Word and say, no, Lord, show me what would you have for me here today? Um, and it's good to read systematically, not just flop the Bible open and see what happens. Um, but anyway, very good to read systematically. And just ask the Lord what he has for you. And then, you know, and then pray. Spend some time praying. And after you pray, just listen. Just spend, spend as much time talking, listening as you do talking. Spend as much time reflecting on what you read and what the Lord might have for you in, in the, that passage for the day. It, it's important. It, it gets that it gets you beyond just a head knowledge of the Scripture, and it begins to imprint it on your heart. And you can't do it if you're not spending the time really meditating and asking the Lord, Lord, what, what do you want to show me? What, what am I supposed to learn from this here today? And uh, anyway, so anyway, you guys all know the ACTS uh, acronym. Is that the right word? Acronym? Yes. Uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Anyway, uh, just a good reminder. And just remember in all of this, the, the goal here is relationship with Christ. The goal in your devotion time is not just, not check it off, I read, a, I read a chapter today. No, the goal is much, much deeper than that. The goal is that you might relate to your Savior, that you might spend time 
knowing him and talking to him and him speaking to you through his word and through his spirit. Okay, we've got to finish this up. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 12. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my, what? Love. So he talks about remaining in three things. He says, remain in me. And that's just about spending the time. It's, just, it's about practicing the presence of God. The second thing he says is, remain in my word. And that's uh, Jesus where he's saying, just you know, remain in what I've taught you. Remain in the word of God. And, and that's all about our devotion time. It's all about meditating. It's about memorizing scripture. Any of those things is, is, is remaining in God's word. But he says the third thing to remain in is his love. Remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Here, notice the link between obedience and love. If you love me, you will obey what I say. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Let me, uh, let me close like this. Let me say this. Um, remaining in Jesus' love, it, it, remaining in Jesus is to be constantly living and showing his love. I ask uh, people that I, like, like Katie and Jordan and Jordan and Katie and Stephen, I ask them um, during premarital counseling, how are you going to get up every day for the next 50 years and show unconditional love to your spouse? Some of you guys have been married 20, 30 years. How do you do it? I don't know how. I've been married, it'll be 20 years this summer. I don't know how except this. As I receive unconditional love from my father, and by receive what I mean is I think about it. I praise him for it. I, I, I pray to understand it better. I, you know, I read through Ephesians chapter 2 a lot and, and read about how, you know, long and wide and high and deep is the love of God. Uh, and, and I contemplate it and, 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 and I'll pick a particular aspect of it and I'll think about it and I'll meditate it uh, all day long maybe or, or just whatever part of the day I can remember to do it. But, but you, you get what I'm saying is that, you know, I, I've meditated on that. And when I know when I can receive it, then I can show it to my wife. Well, what happens tomorrow when your husband and your wife doesn't deserve your love? What if you've had a, a disagreement? What if they treated you badly? What if they said something they shouldn't have said? Man, there's only one way to do this. Yeah, the spirits are laughing. Apparently, that never happens in their home. Um, <laughs> Stephen, all right. Don't say anything. Um, the only way to, to give it is to receive it. And this is a, that is a perfect example of how this is supposed to work. I can only grow in fruit. I can only show love for my spouse, unconditional love, as I'm receiving it from my father. Are you with me? That is the only way. It, there is the only way. Apart from me, you can do nothing but remain in me, and I will remain in you, and you will bear much fruit. And in bearing much fruit, there is glory for Jesus and glory for our Heavenly Father. Amen. As he changes people to look more and more like the image of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, uh, real quickly, there was a survey. As a matter of fact, I just heard a, a, a recent one again. They do surveys all the time on this. But um, they asked people, how, what, make, what brings you the greatest joy in your life? Do you know what the answer was? Doing something for someone else. The top answer every time. Doing something for someone else. Listen, this has been in the Scripture for centuries, right? This has been in there a couple of millennia. Jesus says, make my joy complete, love each other. You want joy in your life? Let me ask you this. Are you missing joy in your life? Well, the next question is, well, what are you doing for anybody else? You know, there's something about when I'm only focused on me, I get really down. But when I focus on other people, when I demonstrate, when I show Christ's love for other people, when remaining Christ loves me, then I'm receiving it and I'm showing it to other people. Jesus says that brings joy. 
He said it a couple of thousand years ago, and we just kind of, by surveys, we show that it's true still today, right? Um, and it, it always was, but, uh, but you, you want to have joy in your life, you've got to be receiving and showing God's love. Amen? So let me, let me wrap up. You, you want joy in your life. You, you want to, to have some, some growth in, in your spiritual maturity. You want to see some fruit in your life. You have to remain in Jesus. You've got to practice his presence. You, you've got you've to abide in his word. You've got to abide in his presence. You've got to spend the time. You've got to make carve out 30 minutes a day in devotional time. You have to do it. And the last thing is, is that you've got to be receiving his love every day, and you've got to be showing it every day. And you'll be remaining in, in Jesus. You'll be abiding with him, and you'll be connected with him, the branch. You'll be receiving everything you need to grow and to mature and to develop fruit in your life. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me, and we'll be dismissed. Let's see. Um, Tim Teeson, would you mind praying for us? We'll be dismissed.